And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits with Mike and Stephanie. You made an excellent choice. The world of myth bitch. What was that? I no, something cut out. Uh-huh. I said you have all the power. That's right. And welcome to this week's edition of the <sighs> World of Myth Bits podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lutz. We're interviewing uh, Stephanie Barty, member of the month for issue number 61. Hi, Steph. How are you doing? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Oh, <laughs> so much better now. You, you have that you, on record now, don't you? Absolutely. And <laughs> you were the one that I do believe last week was saying, oh, you, all your tricks, all your tricks. I've gotten, I've gotten wise to you. You can't fool me anymore. Guess what? Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I figured uh, that's what you were doing. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, Bless you. Yeah, see, so there you go, my child. Which one? You. Although I can't say that because you're older than me. That's right, senior. Yes, you are. Can that's you get the right. discount? No, not quite yet. I wish. <laughs> Saw something at Cartoon Kingdom yesterday in, in Windsor. I thought, oh, I really want that. But it was $900. And I thought, mm, ouch. I'm going to have to sell, sell some children or something. They don't buy them as easily as they used to, especially when they're fully grown. Damn it. Yeah. I've tried. All right. So you became a member of the month at the World of Myth. Dot com. See how I got that in there finally? <laughs> Dave will be pleased. Dave will be very happy that I mentioned www.theworldofmyth.com <laughs> again. Yes. Yes, I did. And yes, he will be. The, uh, the e-zine that it is at theworldofmyth.com, um, you wrote the story. Uh, it was, was it the poem of the story? Was the, first, the story the story the huntress correct yes yes so why don't you tell us a little bit about the huntress if uh for the people that haven't read it um well it's set in a fantasy setting and basically she goes out and dispatches with those that would do harm to children in any form. Who? And she... Who is she? The Huntress. The Huntress. The Huntress. Okay. okay. If you're following along, you would have... No, yeah. I wasn't paying attention. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wrote it more as... When I originally wrote it, I wrote it more as therapy for myself. Okay. As, um, as because, you as the Huntress? or Yes. Okay. Me as the Huntress. Um exacting retribution on those that hurt me as a child. Okay. Because it's much easier to do away with somebody and more legal to do away with somebody on paper than it is to actually go out and physically do away with them. That is very true. I said, and you don't have to worry about covering up evidence and 
bodies. Oh, God, no. And you can be a whole lot more creative. That's true. And you can take your time. Yes. (laughs) You can. (laughs) Okay. So she basically collects the souls of these deviant people, these deviant men, and has a lovely garden. Always hating on the men, huh? Well, it was a man that hurt her, so that's what she hunts. All right. I thought maybe she was not an equal opportunity uh, huntress. Oh, no. If she comes across a woman that's hurt a child, she'll take them to you. Okay. All right. Just that's curious. just not... The, the story... The, the, the story of the huntress is based around one particular incident. Okay. Of reaping, I would call it. Okay. So, it's where you're introduced to the elders and... um. That carries on into future stories that come after the Huntress. Okay. You have... Now, when you created this, did you create the um, the, the bigger arc? Or was this like the, the Huntress was supposed to be a one-off and then it just it blossomed from there? Yeah, she was supposed to be a one-off. She was supposed to be just a short story. She goes in, she does her thing, that's the end of it. And as I neared the end of the story, um, a part two popped into my head. Because she, it didn't feel like her story was finished. Okay. Even though I wanted her to be done, it didn't feel like she was done. So there was a Huntress part two. And I thought I was done with her, put her away. I've written three other things for the magazine since then. And... In writing the one that's coming up next month, she reappeared. All right. Now, the the process that you go through in writing this, tell us a little bit about how <laughs> you go about putting pen to paper. What's your, what's your method? Where'd you go? I'm right here. I lost you. I lost you. You froze. I did. Yes, you did. Can You're you- back now. <laughs> I can, yeah, you're, you're back now. Okay. No, like you said, everything, I could hear you fine. I could see you fine. It must have been something screwed. It's Sunday afternoon. My internet's probably got 500 little kids on it all playing Fortnite. Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> so you were asking about my process. I was asking about your writing process and what you, what would, what specifically you do to get into the mindset to write a, a Huntress-themed uh, story? Um, a lot of my process starts as a daydream, really. I'll be doing something monotonous. And um, she came about, I was working in a factory, doing boring, routine, monotonous, same thing over and over and over again. So I let my mind wander. Yep. And... I just started having this, creating this daydream in my mind. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write that down. And that's how a lot of my stories <laughs> tend to come into being, is I will daydream while I'm driving, paying full attention to the road and all of the traffic that's going on. But my mind is always going. You're yeah. always thinking. No okay. matter what you're doing, you're always thinking. Yeah. So I creative think. Um. If I'm having a particular issue with a story, like if I can't get the characters to go to the direction that I want them to go in, 
then I will play out scenarios in my head on how to get them there. I don't sit with pen and paper and write down the entire story as how I want it to play out. Okay. It basically, I sit down with an idea and I agonize over the first sentence because for me, the first sentence sets the story. Okay. Sets the tone. And once I can get past that first sentence, it writes itself. I just have to make sure my fingers keep up. (laughs) 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 And I, I just let the daydream play out through my fingers. And 99.9% of the time, what I turn into the magazine, what I publish online is what it was. I don't change very much of it. So not a whole lot of rewriting goes into your your productions of uh, no. Huntress or anything? Um, the rewriting would be um, sentence structure and maybe rewriting a paragraph so that it says the same thing, just flows a little better. Um, I can't leave spelling mistakes. Yes, I know there have been mistakes in some of my writing, but the editor has missed that. Um, but if I know I've spelt a word wrong, (laughs) if I know I've spelt a word wrong, I can't continue going. I can't just leave it. I have to fix it right away. Okay. If the the paragraph isn't flowing correctly, I can't just leave it and move on. I have to fix it because it stops that process for me. Yeah. So do you do, um, stream of consciousness writing or do you... Just like when you finally get past that first sentence, do you just blast it all out into the paper? Yes. I do both. Oh, oh you do both. I do both. Okay. So the, um, does that apply to your poetry as well? Uh, now my poetry is a little different. Um, I don't sit and plan on writing a poem. Okay. I don't think about writing a poem. I don't say, hey, I'm going to write a poem today. Um, I'll be, I could be standing on the back deck looking at my maple tree dropping leaves on me. I could be driving in the car and all of a sudden the entire poem from start to finish in its entirety will be there. Every word. Wow. And my, my husband has learned to recognize the glazed frantic (laughs) look on my face. There isn't a spot in my house that you won't find a pen and a piece of paper. Yeah. I have pen and paper in my purse for when I'm out and it hits me. Because it's when I get a poem, it's such a frantic, almost panicked feeling to get it down on paper, to get it out, to relieve my brain of those words. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best analogy. And once it's on paper... That feeling is gone. And I've gone back and I've read some of the poetry that I've written two, three years ago. And I have absolutely no recollection of writing that poem. Where does it come from? Where does the poetry come from? As a spiritual person, I would like to say that it's divine intervention, I guess. I don't know. I honestly don't know where it comes from. It's just there and there some of the poems 
yeah, some of the poems feel like my words. Some of the poems feel like words that are meant for somebody else. Now, do you sometimes actively, I guess, channel would be the word? Um, I don't know. Somebody to ancestor something spiritual, like in the spiritual realm. Do, so, you, do you? Do I spirit right? Do you spirit right? Or actually, I'm more like, do you open yourself up, like channeling, air quote channeling, to somebody to have them dump the poetry into you, into the vessel that is you? Not actively, um, but that would make a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. I do have, in my family tree, I do have um, several members, especially my Aunt Louise, um, who was a tarot reader. She read auras. She received messages. Yes, I did air quotes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, conceivably along that vein, yes, they could be messages from the other side. Okay. They could be, you know, words from the other side. Here, put this down on paper, get it out there. Because they couldn't get it out when they were here. Have you ever recognized somebody else's, like, uh, style of writing or words in something that you've written down? Not until my grandfather died. Okay. After my grandfather died, there were a couple of pieces that I wrote that when I went back and read them, I distinctly heard them in his voice. Now, would that be something that you did yourself? Like looking at the words and you went, oh, I think grandpa would have done this. It was just, it just that the, voice beamed right the into flurry, Yeah. The flurry of writing when I write a poem takes place between a minute and two and a half minutes for an entire poem. Okay. I don't stop to think about the words. I don't write a couple of sentences and then go back and read it. It's just start to finish, constant writing, 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 done. And then... Then I, then I read it. And then go, you go back. Oh, okay. Where the <laughs> hell did that come from? <laughs> now... Um, moving on, you have a novel coming out very soon, if I remember correctly. I do. Can you tell I us do. a little bit about that? That, again, started as a daydream. I was running a daycare. I was a housewife. I needed adventure. <laughs> Don't we all? Be because I was running a daycare and I was a housewife and had a small child plus two older boys Adventure was not in the budget, so I decided I would write one. And I've always been a big fan of King Arthur, Lancelot, so I took a little nod to that in naming two of the main characters, Lance and Gwen. That makes perfect sense. Because their romance story is one of struggle and obstacles and... Um, Unable to be together at the beginning of the story for various reasons. I'm not going to say why, because that would give away... Spoiler alert. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, her name is Guinevere. I didn't go with Gwendolyn. Um, her name is Guinevere, and he's Lance. Not Lance a lot, he's just Lance. Okay. Um, 
Lance Xavier Dawson, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it just so kind of rolls off the tongue. Hoity toity. <laughs> does he wear a cravat? No, he does not. He works in a shipyard. Oh, he's one of those. Schooners fancy. are another. Schooners are another thing that has always. Just that whole era, the end of the schooner age, the, I would say the mid 1850s, the 1800s really has always captivated me. And as much as I would love to have lived back then, I do like indoor plumbing and electricity. Much, much more desirable. <laughs> I'm with you with that one. Um, and yeah, it took me 14 years to write that one. So you took your time. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of, um, what I referred to back then as writer's blocks Okay. and life, life got in the way. Um, I was undiagnosed manic depressive, so years would go by. I wouldn't touch it. Um, had a mild breakdown, so didn't touch it. And then I started writing again. I'd written about nine chapters. Okay. When I when I picked it up again, four years ago, five years ago, it was five years ago. It just came across my Facebook news feed that I was writing again, and I just remembering it was okay. I was five years ago, <laughs> <laughs> so I started plugging away at it again, and I did have to go back and reread the first nine chapters to figure out where the heck my brain was. Yeah. Um, and there was some editing with that because when I wrote those first nine chapters, I was very scattered. Okay. Like I said, undiagnosed with a few, um, not that it's anything to be ashamed of, undiagnosed with a few mental issues. Yeah. And when I picked it back up again, I was on medication. I was much calmer. Um, my thought patterns were more linear than they were as scattered. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so I started plunking away at it, and then two years ago, I had uh, about ten chapters written. <laughs> yes, I wrote <laughs> a chapter. Well, it's better than not and writing any chapters. This was in October. It was around October, two years ago. And my mom finally gave me a deadline. She says, I want the book by Christmas. I'm tired of reading the first nine chapters. Okay. So between October and December, I wrote 15 more chapters. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> every, yeah. <laughs> when I get on a roll, I get on a roll. Um, every day I would sit down whether I wanted to or not at noon or one o'clock in the afternoon. I would have my cup of Earl Grey tea. I would put my headphones on with my music because I have to write with music. Okay. And the music varies, but, and I would sit down and I would write for three or four or five hours straight. And I have an amazing friend who every couple of hours would send me a text message because it would ding very quietly through my music. And I would look, have you eaten, have, make more tea, <laughs> get up, stretch, go to the bathroom. Drink some water. Yeah. <laughs> yes, pretty much, pretty much. And I did those 15 chapters in three months and my mom got the book for Christmas and 25 chapters is the book then, right? 25 chapters over 72,000 words. Wow. Well done. Yes. 
So yes. when can we uh, expect that to be out? It will be coming out just before Christmas. I don't have an exact day number yet, but I have been repeatedly assured because my poor publisher, I drive him insane. <laughs> because I'm new to, Who's my publisher, publisher is David K. Montoya and it is being published through his publishing house, Dark Myth Publications. Mm-hmm. And I have been driving him absolutely crazy with worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's um, it's been it's, a, a a labor of love by by any standard, and yes, you're you're you're, you're you're starting to see a major milestone in front of you, like publication. So yeah, you yeah. you have every right to be anxious. And how's everything going? What's going on? That kind of thing. Yeah, so where are we now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've always been one. Um, not to say that my life has been horrible, but usually when something good happens, the bottom falls out. So I've been kind of waiting for the bottom to fall out. Yep. And Dave has been so patient with me <laughs> and absolutely amazing. He has kept every question I've had. He has answered. Um, and he let me know the other day that, you know, it's all good. The bottom is not going to fall out. <laughs> we are past the risk stage. We are now in production. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, there's been a little easier breathing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's my baby. It's my first book. It There is a piece of me, literally a piece of me, in every single character in that book. There is some part of me, some trait that I have that I either like or don't like in every single character. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the ones that are all, you know, love, light and happiness. That's my good days. The other ones that, you know, you have to kill off twice because your beta <laughs> readers hate them so much. Those are my really bad days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. And yes, three of the main characters are ghosts. So it, it adds that, little supernatural paranormal element. element. Yeah. Yep. Now, a lot of the ne- the usual follow-up question is what's next? Now, I I I'm reticent to ask that because I want I usually like when people put something out, they're not allowed to enjoy the work that they've done. They've not they're not really allowed the time to bask in the glory of the thing that they've created and put out. Mm-hmm. But this would be a very poor interview if I didn't ask you what was next. So I, I, I'm because we are, we work so closely together on the magazine and on the podcasts, the little more up, up, up. Sorry. I keep getting a poor connection. So I had to move ah, it. Okay. Yeah, no, but once this book comes out, and is out in the wild. What what do you have on your plate next? <laughs> well, funny you should ask that because as I was getting to the last few chapters of this book, it suddenly turned itself into a trilogy. Oh, nice! It is one of three. Um, those, the second in the trilogy is already in the works. It's already being worked on. Um, the Huntress 
surprisingly enough, has now turned herself into a series that has melded with another story. So that very well could end up being a book. Okay. Um, and I'm going to continue writing for the magazine and just keep writing. I can't not write. Yep. So do you... The goal, though, one of my goals is to write a short story that actually ends at the end of the short story. If I know you the way (laughs) I know you... It's not going to happen. not going to happen. No. It's not. It hasn't yet. Well, why would it? Because... You, like you, you, you tap into something when you write your stories and then the well runs deep, obviously with the stories that you have written and are in the process of writing. Like even the short stories that you've written for the world of myth.com. See what it did there. Uh huh. Yes. Well done. You like that. Dave's going to really. <laughs> He's going to be tickled pink. He's oh, going to think it's his birthday. That's right. But I don't think you can do a one and done. I really don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think I can either. Not saying that there isn't depth in the other short stories that are on there that end. No. For me, my characters take on a life of their own. Yes. And like I said, when I finished writing um, Battle, which was the last story that was in last month's or this month's. Um, it goes. Th- the magazine that's up now. 65. Yes. When I finished writing Battle, as I reached the end, like I said, the Huntress popped in and she says, you know, I can take that story from here. And we can go over here with it. So you, <laughs> and I literally hung my head and went, oh, shit. You just created a whole universe. <laughs> yes. That's what you want to do. Because Two worlds have now collided yeah. in the next, well, the next issue. They'll have to read it. But yes, um, the Huntress and Merrick have collided Perfect. into a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> You did the thing that you didn't want to do. Yeah. You wanted to keep those two separate. Yeah, no, she had other plans. Yeah, well, that's what you get when you <laughs> you put it in put it in drive and let go of the wheel. So if I don't, then I they don't talk they won't talk to me. I've had my characters go silent for years because I try to steer them in one direction and they feel that there is something else that needs to be told first before they'll go over there. That makes sense. That makes sense. So when you write your stuff, do you workshop with anybody or do you, no. are you a, you're a solo writer? I'm a solo writer. Um, I just started, well, we've done it once, um, getting together with other writers. Um, during the week, we get together at a local coffee shop. And we sit and talk and exchange ideas and attempt to write. <laughs> now, mind you, with, we did have a new person join. Well, we were all new, but uh, a young girl joined us at our first meeting, and she wanted to be a writer. Okay. In her mind, she wasn't a writer yet. And I asked her, do you write? Yes, I write short stories and I write poetry. You're a writer. Then you're a writer. 
And she kind of thought about that. And, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. And I said, you want to be an author. She says, well, what's the difference? <laughs> Authors get paid. <laughs> <laughs> other th- other but, people than your mom read your stuff. So Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I completely forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> but no, I don't, I don't workshop. Um, I solo write. And as I was writing the book, I did have, um, again, my close friend that kept texting me and checking in on me. She would read every chapter as I wrote it. Yep. And I would either get, well, you need to elaborate a bit more on this, or I didn't quite understand that, or more. I want more. Sounds like a good editor. Um, she was awesome. Yeah. She was really awesome. And she's actually in the dedications in the book. So <laughs> she's the reason why I had to kill a character twice. <laughs> Didn't do it right the first time? Not for as evil and as nasty as this character is. <laughs> she needed to die again after she was already dead. Gotcha. So then I had to get creative because how do you kill a ghost? Ghostbusters. Yeah, in the 1800s. La Ghostbuster. Ye old Ghostbuster. Ye, ye old Ghostbuster. <laughs> Ghostbuster, yeah. Oh, but, The um, Exorcist. You could cross over with The Exorcist. I could, but that'd be plagiarism. No, collaboration. All right, there we go. Yeah, see, there's a way to go. <laughs> All right, I think we're going to wrap this up. We are uh, had a great talk with Stephanie Barty, author. Um, Thank you. The, you actually you never did name your book. Eternally Bound. Eternally Bound. On top yes. of many poems and short stories available at www.theworldofmyth.com. Yes. So, um, if people, if you, if people want to get a hold of you, how would they go about doing that? They can find me on Facebook at Stephanie Barty Author on Facebook. They can find me on Twitter at Lupa, L-U-P-A-B, as in Bob, capital B. They can find me at The World of Myth Bits on Facebook mm-hmm. and they can also read all my stuff at www.theworldofmyth.com hey. and I have a website that I need to update but I do have a website okay. www.stephaniebarty.me excellent well thank you very much Stephanie for joining us today and uh, good luck on your uh, release of Eternally Bound Thank you very much. It's been a slice. (laughs) (laughs) And this has been uh, the World of Mythbits podcast. We will talk with you next week. Bye-bye. The World of Mythbits.